You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hello and welcome again to Disney One by One. This week, we're talking about Winnie the Pooh. And not the Winnie the Pooh from the 70s that you heard months ago, but it's Winnie the Pooh from 2011, the 51st movie on the list. And remember, you can find the show everywhere on the internet at Disney1x1. If you could please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, we would love that. And now that Disney Plus is out, you can watch every single one of these movies on our list right uh, at the convenience of your own home with a few, just a few clicks away. So uh, it's a great opportunity to go back and listen to every episode of our show because I believe almost every single one of these is available on Disney+. Plus. Some of those like Make My Musics or Melody Times might be missing. But anyway, joining me this, w- this week as always is my brother David Rolfing. David, welcome back to Disney One by One. Or some of those bad ones like, you know, Three Caballeros that might not be on there. <laughs> I saw a post on like a on this like Disney Facebook page. So, someone asks, what was the first thing you watched on, on Disney Plus? And like six people posted Three Caballeros. I'm like, yes. Oh, wow. This You're not alone. No, it's, a, it's an amazing movie. And back with us this week, you heard her all the way back on episode 22, which was the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Tara Romanowski, welcome back to Disney One by One. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be back and talking about one of my favorite bears. Yeah, it, it seemed appropriate to have you back on the Winnie the Pooh episode after we talked many moons ago. About the many I can't adventures. believe it was so long ago. Episode twenty-two or twenty-three, and that was in May. Yeah, that came out yeah. on that came out on my birthday, May twenty-second. Yes, <laughs> so um, good to have you back. Uh, yeah, I think you listed the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh as your number five movie. I did, on your yeah, top five and list. I would not replace this one that we've seen with the seventies one. Yeah. Of it, but I still loved it. Okay, it's it's still Winnie the Pooh. All it's right. classic. It's great. Back to the Disney one by one talk for a second. I've seen a few friends post on social media, like watching some older Disney movies and looking at like, oh, I want to watch this, you know, favorite from the Disney list. I feel like this might give us a surge of new listeners. You never know. Yeah, that's true. I'll need to uh, put some promoted posts on Facebook and target people that love Disney Plus. That's what we need to do. Yeah, you should. (laughs) (laughs) So Tara, we heard a lot about your your history, your Disney history, and your career history. Um, you've been traveling the world a lot lately. I have, absolutely. What have you been doing? Since May, or really, you know, months before that we actually recorded the yeah. podcast, I have spent a lot of time over in Europe. So I was, I spent about a month going up and down the Rhine River on a riverboat. And then I spent a month in frozen land in Norway and Iceland, <laughs> followed by about two weeks in Ireland. So it was it was pretty exciting time. I was really surprised at how much frozen merchandise was not found in Norway. They really just kind of keep those things separate. And I was like, oh, man. Even with the new movie. Well, there's plenty of the merchandise in Norway in Epcot. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's been out for months already. Yeah. So were you leading tours there or were you touring yourself to learn more things or what were you doing? Uh, a combination of both. I wasn't exactly leading the tours by giving commentary, but I was hosting them uh, and going around doing all the excursions with everybody. And then on the riverboat, I actually was doing some children's activities and programs. So I was playing games and sports and doing crafts and cupcake baking and decorating, all kinds of really fun stuff. It was it was a great time. And as we learned on episode 22, Tara is a former Disney cast member. 
Um, we heard a little bit about her work in Fantasyland and as a character attendant. I did. Well, what else can you tell us about Disney? Have you been, have you been there lately? I have. I actually uh, was just there earlier this evening. Oh. I was at Epcot oh, I hate for you. the uh, <laughs> Food and Wine Festival and seeing one of their uh, Eat to the Beat concert series. And there's a ton of construction going on right now. There's a lot of construction walls and having to you know, walk different pathways, which kind of cuts out on some of my shortcuts and little secret hideaways. So it's interesting to see how that park is really transforming now where that used to be Hollywood studios for a few years. And now that's kind of all come together a bit. Yeah. I mean, they're doing a massive overhaul on the entire front of the park. The concept art looks amazing. Yeah. I'm super excited to see what they do, but it's going to take forever. Yeah, a week ago, I rode the Skyliner for the very first time from Hollywood Studios all the way to Epcot. So that was actually really cool. And you didn't get stuck for three hours? No, did not get stuck, did not crash, none of that. It wasn't too hot, so the air filtration system that they have going on was was pretty cool. So, David, have you heard anything about the Skyliner? No, no, I don't know what that is. They built like a gondola cable car system that connects a number of the resorts to a couple of the parks. Yep. And in like its first week of operation, it broke down and people were stuck in it for like three hours. Yeah. Ah, and there's and none of the cars are air conditioned. They just have like windows that can open. Yeah. Yeah. They have some windows and then I, I don't even know how it works because even in the description of it, it doesn't make sense to me. But when I was in there, I was like, oh, it's not much cooler, but it's, it's cooler than the outside air. So I guess that kind of helps, but on really, you know, blistering hot days, I wonder how that's actually going to go. How long does it take to get from one end to the other? Um, from Hollywood Studios to kind of the hub of, you know, the gondolas where you have to transfer to other ones. That was probably, I, I'm guessing, about five minutes. And then from there to Epcot, it's 10 minutes. There's like multiple legs, multiple yes. ar- arms that kind of branch off to different parts of, of Disney World. It looks really cool. And of course, your guys' favorite star wars land yes i've not been I've yet totally piloted the millennium falcon it's awesome i've been the gunner i've been the engineer everything it's it's really really cool to see it but have you constructed your own lightsaber yet no i haven't i haven't made my own droid either yeah the lightsaber experience is 200 dollars. something like on top that, of the yeah. park ticket and the droid experience is 100 dollars. i've seen videos of the lightsaber thing it looks really cool but i don't really want that <laughs> I would rather buy, you can go to one of the gift shops and you can buy the legacy lightsabers yeah. and you can get like Luke's, like the, like the handle from Luke's lightsaber from Return of the Jedi. Yeah. It's like really cool where you can get like the Obi-Wan one or there's a few that you can buy that are like solid metal handles. Then they're like a hundred bucks. Like that's a better deal than constructing some weird one out of plastic and metal. But it still is really cool. They did a very good job with the land. I, I found a blog post that was someone went into a couple of the gift shops and took pictures of every single thing for sale. And you can buy like the Japor snippet necklace that little Anakin gives to Padme on this on the speeder. You can buy they have uh, an Empire Strikes Back when Luke crash lands on Dagobah while he's looking for Yoda. He pulls out this like like an MRE, like a meal ready to eat <laughs> that he eats with like this little fork and Yoda comes and yeah. steals it from him and hits it with the stick or whatever. You can buy the MRE. What? <laughs> it's like wow. this it's like this blue plastic kit that's just full of like bulk candy. It's like Tic Tacs and and like funky looking peanuts with sugar on the outside. It's stuff that could, that's probably costs like a dollar fifty, and they sell the thing for like twenty five bucks. You know, something like that. Yeah. 
the ultimate merchandising strategy. Make everything oh, yeah. you see in the movie. Any other Disney insider tips we should know from a former cast member? I think a lot of stuff has been talked about on these podcasts already. And I don't have too many new stories that I can actually share <laughs> without giving away the magic or stealing somebody else's story. So Okay. Yeah. I'll let it be. I just have to ask when I have a cast, I cast know, member on I the know. show. All right. And with that, we'll move on to Winnie the Pooh. And now, our feature presentation. This could be the room of any small boy. But in fact, it's not. It is the room of one young boy in particular named Christopher Robin. Now, Christopher Robin has a very active imagination, not to mention the uncanny ability to collect things. Big things, small things, sticky things. But his favorite things are his stuffed animals. Ah, there they are now. As we said, our episode 22 was about the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh from what year do we say? 1970-something? 1977. Yes, the year Star Wars came out. <laughs> As we talked about then, uh, Winnie the Pooh is from the from author A.A. A. Milne. They're books that he had written based on his son, Christopher Robin, and all the uh, stuffed animals he, he had and played with. The books were illustrated by a guy named Ernest H. Shepard, who really established the style and the look and feel of those characters. Walt Disney got the rights to Winnie the Pooh at some point, and they just started churning these things out. They started with a bunch of shorts. There was Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Tree, Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day, Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2, and those were combined to make the feature film The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which came out in 1977. There's also Winnie the Pooh Discovers the Seasons in 1981, Winnie the Pooh and the Day for Eeyore in 83, and then there were a few uh, direct-to-VHS features, like the Tigger movie from 2000, Piglet's Big Movie from 2003, Pooh's Heffalump movie in 2005, all sorts of other direct-to-video things. There's Pooh's Grand Adventure, uh, The Pooh, The Book of Pooh, <laughs> Stories from the Heart, A Very Merry Pooh Year, Springtime with Rue, Pooh's Heffalump movie. I've never said Pooh this many times in, in, uh, in, in 60 seconds, so a whole bunch of Pooh things. We also had Christopher Robin in 2018, the live-action movie, which I still haven't seen. Oh, it's so good. Is it good? The Hugh McGregor one? Yes. Yeah, it was very cute. My dad loved it. I need to watch it. Yes. And then, of course, this 2011 movie just called Winnie the Pooh. Uh, we've talked a lot on this show about John Lasseter, who came from Pixar and then became an executive at Disney as well. He's gone now for various reasons, but he had strong feelings that Winnie the Pooh should return and return to its roots, return to his roots. And so he, along with Steven Anderson and Don Hall, Steven Anderson directed Meet the Robinsons, I think one of those more recent ones. They pulled up the Winnie the Pooh shorts and, and the original feature film to figure out how to make this character relevant again and perhaps make another feature out of him. They enlisted a guy named Bernie Mattinson, who was one of the main animators on that 1977 film. Actually, he worked on uh, Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2, which was the short from 74. So he was still around and they brought him on as the lead storyboard artist to, to work on this new one, which is pretty cool. The original movie was supposed to feature five stories from the books, but the final version ended up taking three parts, three things from three different stories. The cast of this movie, uh, so I, I, I'm sure some of these people were involved in some of the other direct-to-VHS things, but I didn't look that up. But Jim Cummings is the new voice of Winnie the Pooh. The original one was, do you remember his name? Nope. I'm blanking on it right at the moment. Sterling Holloway was the original yes, voice oh, of Winnie the Pooh. Yes, <laughs> who of also, Who also did many other characters, such as? Uh, the Cheshire Cat. Yes. 
and Ka, Ka and yeah. some voices in uh, Three Caballeros and many others. Yes. But he has, he has since passed and they brought on Jim Cummings. Jim Cummings is a huge name in the in the animation voice world. I mean, he's done everything from obviously Winnie the Pooh. He also does Tigger. Consider yourself pounced. He is the voice of the Tasmanian Devil. Just the complete opposite of Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he is the part singing voice of Scar in The Lion King because Jeremy Irons had some weird vocal thing go wrong like in the middle of recording the song. So he came in and finished recording the song as the voice of Scar and you would never know the difference. So for the cool of the century. Be prepared for the murkiest scam. Meticulous planning, tenacity spanning. He's also the voice of Ed in Lion King. <laughs> Which makes more sense with Tasmanian Devil. He also is the gopher who pops out of the ground and says, like, the morning report. He's the voice of Pete from the Goofy movie and Goof Troop. (laughs) I sent some of my lackeys inside. He does uh, Ray, the Firefly, in Princess and the Frog. By the time I introduce myself, my name Raymond, but if I call me Ray. He's also Darkwing Duck. Another order of dastardly delinquents deposited on your doorstep, courtesy of Darkwing Duck. And like hundreds of other voices in Disney and other cartoons, not just Disney. Yes. So Jim Cummings is back, but for the first time in a feature film as Winnie the Pooh. Other voices in this movie, Travis Oates played Piglet. Bud Lucky is Eeyore. Tom Kenny, a comedian, plays Rabbit. Craig Ferguson is Owl, which took me like five minutes to figure out. I was like, I know that voice. I know that voice so well. And I'm like, oh, it's Craig Ferguson. I used to watch his show all the time. Yep. Kristen Anderson Lopez is the voice of Kanga. We'll talk about her momentarily. And of course, John Cleese is the narrator. I love John Cleese so, so much. So great. <laughs> For a moment, I thought it was Stephen Fry. I was getting my British folks confused, and I was embarrassed because I'm a huge Monty Python fan. And uh, John Cleese is what a perfect narrator. Oh, great. I was trying to think of other Monty Python cast members in Disney-related things, and I thought of one pretty prominent one in the theme parks. Anyone? I don't know. Something in uh, Hollywood Studios? It's an Epcot. Formerly an Epcot. Actually, he's still an Epcot. I can't think of... Well, there's not that many attractions, so... Right. So think through them. The land. Nope. You're you're in the right vicinity. There's Soren in there. Yeah, well, next door. (laughs) Next door. Journey to the Imagination with Figment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're correct. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Eric yeah, Idle. Yeah. Eric Idle is there the, the scientist or the professor or something like that. Yeah. In, yeah. in the Figment ride. Um, he was also a prominent character in the Honey, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience film. Yeah. Which is how he ended up in the ride in the first place. So, yes. Gotcha. Eric Idle. So, they obviously brought back a number of their animators for this movie, their hand drawn 2D animators, because most of them had left. But uh, Mark Henn is back to animate Winnie the Pooh. He did Jasmine and Young Simba and Tiana. Andres Deja animated Tigger. He's famous for doing a lot of the villains. He did Gaston, Jafar, Scar. Uh, Who else? And Eric Goldberg is back. He is well known for animating the genie. He did Phil in in Hercules. He did Lewis the alligator in Princess and the Frog. The original plan was to try to make this look as much like that original 1977 movie as possible. Dave and I talked a lot about the Xerox process they used back in the day, so they, which kind of made some rough lines and a lot of, it had a very unique look, so they were going to emulate that, but they decided to modernize it a little bit. It was still hand-drawn, but they used a lot of computers to assist. 
that's how they did that. But they wanted that kind of original watercolor feel, and I think they really pulled it off. Yeah, I really enjoyed that, sticking kind of with the original stuff. Uh, the music is a very prominent part in this movie and in the one from 1977. To find the, just the right songwriters, because the Sherman brothers, uh, I guess, were not around. One of them was probably deceased, and who knows what who knows what Richard was up to. They sent visuals and some concept art to, and some ideas to five different songwriting teams, and the one they settled on was... The Lopez's. Who ended up doing? Frozen. Yes. <laughs> Tara's favorite. So. Yes. Um, the first Disney thing that Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez had worked on was actually the stage version of Finding Nemo at Animal Kingdom. Yep. So they were brought on board to write the songs for this movie. There's some kind of funny stories that came out of that. The first song, which the which the songwriting candidates were asked to write as part of their audition, was the one uh, which became "Everything Is Honey," in which Pooh undergo he like hallucinates and because he's desperate for honey, and so they uh, they were inspired to write this song uh, from their desperate lack of sleep at the time because of uh, their newborn daughter. So mm-hmm. they, they took their experiences of hallucin- hallucinating themselves to write a song. That song, "Everything Is Honey." Everything is honey, everywhere I see. Everything is honey, and that's quite alright with me. I am a bear of little brain, I can't explain why everything will be changing to the favorite snack of Winnie the Pooh. Can you? They wrote seven songs from the movie, including the Tummy Song, a very important thing to do. Everything is honey, the Winter Song, the Baxen Song, Pooh's finale, and it's gonna be great. Um, again, the Baxen song was inspired by uh, ongoing issues with their daughter sleeping through the night, <laughs> as well as the fact that uh, Disney's request for the song came while they were on vacation and they had to go borrow a piano from a church to write the song because they like they, they wanted to get the job. And in the song, Kanga, who is voiced by Kristen Anderson Lopez, uh, says a line about the Baxen wakes up babies at one and three. Yep. So that's where, that's where that came part of, from. Part of the nightmare. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. They wake up babies at one and three. They made me catch the cold I caught. They made me lose my train of thought. They swipe your stripes. They clog your pipes. They dig up your garden. They won't make your party. They eat your snacks. They won't relax. They chip your tooth. They steal your youth. And now you know the horrible truth. The Baxen, the Baxen, the Baxen, the Baxen. And then, of course, the very recognizable Zoe Deschanel sings a number of songs in this movie, including a modern take on the Winnie the Pooh song that the Sherman Brothers wrote. Deep in the hundred acre wood Where Christopher Robin plays You'll find the enchanted neighborhood Of Christopher's childhood days the score for this movie is written by Henry Jackman, no relation to Hugh Jackman. He also worked on Kong, Kong Skull Island, Wreck-It Ralph, a couple Captain America movies, and Big Hero 6. This movie came out April 14th, 2011 in Germany first, and then a day later in the United Kingdom, and then July 15th in the United States. It had mostly positive reviews, but it only made $50 million on its $30 million budget, and when you factor in advertising and marketing and stuff, it probably didn't make very much money. So, And uh, sadly, it was and is the final hand-drawn feature animation film from Walt Disney Animation Studios. So, I feel like we've said that three times. Uh, no, we haven't. <laughs> Princess and the Frog. Yeah, we said that last time. <laughs> oh. Well, you said that. I didn't say that. I don't remember. <laughs> and then before that... Well, this we one's had... now come out next, so maybe this one yeah, really sure. is the last one. This definitely yeah. is the last one. Yeah. Okay. 
final. Final final. <laughs> it's not complicated or very hard to grasp. But the song So Long, which that was sung by Day Chanel too, right? I think. Yeah. Um, that was nominated for a Grammy Award, but it did not win. The Baxson song and So Long were one of, were on the short list for the Academy Award, but they didn't actually get nominated, so no Oscar nominations for this movie. Um, that year, Best Animated Feature went to Rango, that uh, Johnny Depp lizard movie, Gore Verbinski. That's about all I got. I mean, we talked a lot about the Winnie the Pooh theme park rides last episode because those are mainly based on that previous movie, so um, yeah. I can't think of anything directly from this movie that's in the theme parks. No, in 2011, they did have a special meet and greet area in Hollywood Studios for Winnie the Pooh, and they had a whole nice little backdrop, but that's pretty much it uh, for what the parks did at the time for the movie's release. Were you down there at the time? I was, okay. yeah. Yeah, that was probably right after college for you. Yep, I they opened the meet and greet spot in the summer, and I was there, and I actually got my picture taken with Pooh at the time, but I never actually worked that meet and greet spot. But you did work with Winnie the Pooh. Oh, many, many times. He was one of the characters that I spent the most time with. David, any other fun facts you got about this movie? Why, yes, I do. Um, it was the third sequel Walt Disney Animation Studios had produced. The other ones being... Rescuers Down Under. Yes. And, well, uh, well, uh, I was going to say Wreck-It Ralph 2, but we're not there yet. Nope. Well, Fantasia 2000. Yep, there you go. Did you have to look at the list, though? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> thought I saw your eyes glance over. And one other one. So Peter Cullen had voiced Eeyore in the last one, and he was busy voice voicing Optimus Prime in Transformers Dark uh. of the Moon. So that's why they got a different voice for Eeyore in this one. Yeah, Bud Lucky. Tara, do you have any other random fun facts? You don't facts? really associate <laughs> Optimus Prime with the Eeyore voice. They're very different. Um, I don't have any specific fun facts that haven't already been talked about mm -hmm. other than just the fact that it got 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, so it did not get as high of a score as uh, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which was and still is at 100%. Wow. It is? It is. <laughs> I checked it again today. <laughs> I was just reading about Bud Lucky, who is the voice of Eeyore, and he's more famous for being a, a director. He he directed Ooh. Bounden, the Pixar short. Yeah. Oh, that one. That was a good one. Which did not win the Oscar, but it was nominated for Best Animated Short Film. He also did a whole bunch of voices, but his okay. his most acclaimed thing is being the director of Bounden. But yeah, he did he did voices and character designs for a whole bunch of other movies, which is it's kind of neat. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, so Tara, we know you're a huge Winnie the Pooh fan. Yes. What was your history with this specific movie? When was the last time you'd seen it? I think I own it on DVD, and I actually watched my DVD version of it instead of logging into Disney Plus and watching it that way. But I actually went and saw it with my parents for my birthday that year. I hadn't had a chance to see it over the summer and decided that that's what I wanted to do. And I don't think that I had watched it since then, but I downloaded the soundtrack so I knew the songs from it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much it. So I think it had been about, you know, eight years since I had seen it. David, had you seen this 2011 rendition of Winnie the Pooh? I don't believe so. And I also haven't seen 
the more recent Christopher Robin movie. I think I mentioned on the last Winnie the Pooh episode that I watched the TV show, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. As a child, I can remember the theme song for that. Pooh Bear, Winnie the Pooh Bear. Climbing a honey tree. Whenever I think of Winnie the Pooh, I think of that song. Yeah. But it's me and it's you. And silly old Winnie the Pooh. Classic. Good song. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not better than the Sherman Bros, but it is pretty good. It's fun. Mike, have you seen it? No. Shocking. I, I, <laughs> I really don't remember this movie coming out. I mean, this was definitely well, it was a couple of years after college for me. So I was I was around and seeing movies, but I think this is probably before I was like super duper into Disney, really. I mean, I've always been into it, but David, this is right around the time when we went on our epic five day trip with a couple of friends. And that's when I like started super getting into the history of all this stuff parks parks and movies yeah but that would have been november of 2011 and what did we say this came out in april yeah well july for america oh, july yes so right this was right on the precipice of my of my uh of my insanity <laughs> and you hadn't seen the original many adventures of winnie the pooh either so they probably wouldn't have been inclined to have watched this one either i definitely had seen a lot of the cartoons with david yeah. or just because we had the disney channel growing up and I think I'd probably seen segments from that movie, but yeah, I'd never done, I never really sat down and watched the 1977 version. I was too busy watching Star Wars. Yeah. And, you know, I had been on the ride and that sort of thing. So very familiar with the characters and the, uh, the there's, there's the Disney sing-along tape at Disneyland. Yep. Where they sing, I'm so rumbly in my tumbly, I'm so grateful for a plateful. And all the kids are eating Mickey waffles and that, that yep. the Winnie the Pooh characters are serving to them. So... I mean, and Pooh's trying to steal all the food because, yes. of course, time for something sweet. So, very familiar with Winnie the Pooh, but I had definitely not seen this movie. I'm so rumbly in my tumbly time for something sweet. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> okay, so, Tara, now that you've watched it again, what's your initial reaction to 2011's Winnie the Pooh? A very similar feeling that I had watching The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, just kind of bringing it back into the nostalgia and very refreshing in terms of how it's very like tame humor. It's very clean humor. It's very soft and, you know, some really funny and clever lines. It's a mixture of simplicity and some of the characters make jokes that are like, you know, really deep and like feeling with the emotions like Tigger in the scene with the red balloon. All the different ranges of emotion that he feels just in that like minute or two is is pretty interesting stuff. So I, I really enjoyed it and found myself giggling and kind of getting back to that childlike feeling that I always have when I'm watching Winnie the Pooh stories. David, you got a lot of poo history. So what do you what you think of this new? <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yeah, I had the Winnie the Pooh like storybook as a kid as well. I remember reading that with myself or parents. I don't really remember that well, but yeah, I mean, it's th- this is one of the only G-rated Disney movies I think in the last at least handful. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of them, and I mean that comes across like it's very yeah, like you said like friendly child friendly like peaceful clean and that comes across and it it's entertaining and it's kind of like a it's a relaxing watch just like 
you know, it's just a fun, clean story. The story itself, I think, could have been a little more complex, maybe with some better twists and turns. But I know as a kid watching that, you don't really think of that. So like for my personal taste of this story could have been a, a little more adult and complicated, but I understand why they didn't do that. And I really liked all the different breaking the fourth wall type moments with the animation and the book and everything. I think that really kept it interesting. If they wouldn't have had that, I think it might've been too simple for my taste, but that definitely kept it pretty interesting and entertained me all the way through. Yeah. For all uh, all 70 minutes of it. Yes, so <laughs> yes, short. Yes, and it was short. And it was short. 63 minutes. It was like just over an hour. This movie felt like the same movie as the last one we talked about. It felt like exactly the same thing, but it was just a different story, which is kind of odd to say. But and we watched, we recorded that episode 22 like in January. We released it in May, but we recorded it in January. So that was a long time ago. It was almost a year ago when we watched that. So it's been a little while, but that original one did a lot of the same things yeah i agree it began with live action footage of toys in a in a room it then went to a book the characters interact with the book a lot including knocking letters off and interacting with the words on the page the original one you know has a few different stories that are intertwined to some extent to make one longer story uh, this one does the same thing you get the er missing his tail you get um it's Pooh's has a very important thing to do, and then it kind of transitions into Eeyore lost his tail, and then having to search for Christopher Robin and yeah. catch the Baxin. Yeah, this yeah. one, you know, in the in the original movie, it actually kind of divides into chapters with the stories, whereas this mm. one seems like it was one giant chapter with a bunch of little stories intertwined in it. So yeah. there wasn't that separation. So there's, there's something slightly different, but... Generally, they both have narrators. They both they all have the same characters with some different voices, but they sound very similar. The same kind of silly vibe. The same a lot of songs coming in and out. It was it felt like it was paying homage to the previous one, basically. Yeah. And as I mentioned, they at one point we're going to try to make the animation look exactly the same. So yeah. it's in a way it's almost like a remake. Yeah, for sure. It's like a slightly different story. So with all that said, like it's definitely enjoyable. It's it's fun as as David as you said it is it is kind of silly, um or, or childish. I mean it is certainly a movie geared towards children. I found the characters to be dumber than normal, <laughs> like than I remembered. Yeah, they do a lot of like really stupid things or like careless or clueless things because they're just naive, which I don't remember happening before. I felt that owl acted like he was above everybody more or just like really pushed his intelligence in comparison to the first movie where I don't know what other word I would use to describe it, but he just almost seemed. I wrote down Al is a conceited know-it-all. There you go. <laughs> that works. Yeah. I felt the exact same way. He, he was just kind of a jerk to everyone. He definitely was bragging about how much he knew and everything. Yeah. Not, not many of the characters were really, I kind of on the same boat as you, Mike, like Pooh Bear just seemed kind of selfish. Like literally his only thought the whole movie was he just wanted honey. I know that's his thing, yeah. but I feel like he was maybe a little more lovable in the last movie. Maybe not, but I'm hoping he was because I didn't really like him in this movie and he's supposed to be like the protagonist. I think he's probably the character that gets the most screen time mm -hmm. and I don't know. I didn't really enjoy his character this movie. Yeah, and then there's Piglet, who talk about dumb. He 
he's always so afraid. In the last movie, he like gives up his house to Owl, doesn't he? Because he doesn't—he's yeah. afraid to speak up. And in this movie, he just follows instructions so literally that he <laughs> cuts up the rope that was in t- that was trying to save his friends with. And he comes back with a little flower and then ties the rope in a knot and just doesn't have it figured out. And I, I guess that just kind of plays to the humor of it all for kids. Yeah. But it, oh, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure children think it's hilarious. I yeah. found them to be uh, a little idiotic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. Piglet and Tigger and Rue and Eeyore, I think. Really, the only two characters I had a problem with were Owl, Owl and Pooh Bear. Yeah. It it just felt uh, a little more chaotic to me than the last one. It's like all these characters have no idea. They just don't have no idea what to do with these things. And they're just kind of running around with their, like their heads are cut off. But uh, yeah. maybe I'm overthinking a G-rated Winnie the Pooh movie. <laughs> Maybe these are really simple characters that, you know, that I think we talked about in the first movie how each of the characters focused on almost a different kind of emotion and a personality. And I think those things were a bit heightened in this movie or a little bit more present. And it didn't really need to be that way. They could have just kind of stayed as the level that they were at from the first movie. I think Owl in this one was pride. Pooh Bear was gluttony. Eeyore was depression. Tigger, you're running. Know. You're running out of seven deadly sins. ADD, yeah. <laughs> Piglet, fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's rabbit like? OCD. Yeah. And I don't know, but the Kangas seem fine. They're like normal. Yeah, Kanga was pretty chill. One of the big things in this movie is they misread a note that Christopher Robin has written to them that says he'll be back soon, and they read it as as Baxen, and they interpret it as uh, he's been kidnapped by some monster called the Baxen. And uh, which which sets off quite the hunt and a really fun sequence of song. They sneak into your library and scribble in all your books. The Baxen, the Baxen, we don't like the Baxen. I really enjoyed the Baxen song and how it turns into like chalk drawings. Yeah. A couple of these musical sequences kind of go haywire in a good way. There's the one where Pooh is singing about honey and he kind of turns into like a bee and is flying and floating through honey. Um, and then this one, it turns into like chalk drawings as they're, as they're, as they're explaining who this monster is. And I, there's one line I wrote down. They're explaining the, the attributes of this monster. They go, with two sharp horns atop his head, in between a mop of hair that's red, and in his nose a ring of gold that smells of monkey's feet and mold. Its toes are black, its fur is blue. I swear that all I tell you is not made up. Instead of, I swear that all I tell you is true. Yeah. <laughs> Rhymes with blue. You want it to rhyme and it doesn't. <laughs> and in its nose a ring of gold, it smells of monkey's feet and mold. Its toes are black, its fur is blue. I swear that all I tell you is not made up. The Baxon. The Baxon. The Baxon. The Baxon. The Baxon. The Baxon. It was just a, it was a fun little song. And then Al realizes that it said back soon as they're walking away. And he's like, eh, I don't care about you. <laughs> I <laughs> won't tell like, you. Back soon, maybe. And then they keep saying back soon. And it's, it's like, oh, it's kind of registering, but uh, forget it. <laughs> Moving on. I thought this song at first reminded me of the Heffalumps and Woozles Yeah, that's probably what segment. they're going for. But then it went into the, the honey song with the hallucination. And it was like, oh, that one could have been that. But this one seemed... A little bit closer to that because it was focusing on this like made up imaginary yeah. character. Were there multiple sequences in the in the last movie that kind of went haywire like that, or was it just the heffalumps and woozles? I think it was just the heffalumps and woozles. So they yeah. probably were just wanted to double it up. 
Yeah, because for whatever reason, the Heflumps and Woozles segment has just become somewhat big. You hear that song played during Halloween in the parks, and they have the whole thing in the ride, too. So I guess they were trying to make that with the Baxson as well. They make honey look so appetizing. Yeah, the specific animation of the honey in that song was different than how they portray honey in the rest of the film. It was almost more... It was almost more like 3D. It looked more real than just cartoonish. Everything is honey. I wonder if they if they CG'd that. I wonder if they did. It had like a nice little like gooey flow to I it. I think it is actually. I'm rewatching that song and it's looks pretty computer animated ish. Yeah. And David, FYI, honey is very appetizing. Put honey. Uh, yeah, I know. I like it. Honey. Just not like massive amounts. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, massive not just amounts. Straight, straight up honey. I mean, on if, some toast, if maybe. you covered your face and hands with it, it would take a long time to get off. For sure. Any other observations about this movie before we start wrapping up? Um, it was interesting how in this movie they they have the end credits, and they continued using some of the character interactions to keep you staying throughout the credits, so that you can actually see the final scene with the Baxson. Oh yeah, David, did you make really it that not far? That's scary. No, I didn't. Oh, oh David no. didn't make it to the end. I'm watching it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, skip all the way to the end. You can meet the Baxson and realize that he's not as scary. Yeah. And they actually kind of trap him. But he's real. He's real. He is real. And uh, that that was also animated by Eric Goldberg, the Baxson. Mike, did you like the little Indiana Jones reference? I wrote Piglet? that down. Yeah, I forget what <laughs> scene it is, but uh, is it Piglet who switches a, a pine cone with a... Yeah, they're collecting objects yeah. or for, wait, was it to look for Eeyore's tail or was it to collect items for the backs? Oh, One know. or the other, but I, I immediately thought them was like, oh, Mike's going to like this. Oh, yeah, I noticed it immediately. I forget <laughs> what he was swapping in and out, but I wrote down Indiana Jones pinecone swap. So yes. it's in there somewhere. Yes. All right, Dave, what do you think of the end of the movie? <laughs> it's sad. He's going to starve to death in that hole. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Yeah, poor so. Baxin. So if for some reason you're listening to this uh, before actually watching the movie, or if you watch the movie and didn't make it through the credits, there is a little post-credit sequence, which this may, this may be the first post-credit sequence in a Disney Animation Studios film, perhaps. Yeah, I think really? so. Really? The first one? I think so. I mean, if you look at the previous, you know, so many movies, and they certainly didn't have them back in the in the early day. And, True. Uh, previous to this was Tangled, Princess and the Frog, Bolt, Meet the Robinsons. I don't think any of those had post-credit sequences, so. Huh. Interesting. The Baxen establishing yes. a trend. All right, so Tara, as you are well aware, it's the duty of our guests to come up with a rating system specific to the movie we're talking about. I do not remember what we did last time. I did not make it to the end of the episode when I was pretty sure we to did honey pots. Okay, so yeah, I think of something else. And a, uh, and a, and a number gonna, and a number we can rate it out of. We're gonna do red balloons this time. Okay, how many? And we'll and we'll make it easy. We'll do out of ten red balloons. Ninety nine loof balloons. <laughs> balloons. Yep. Um, I'm gonna give this one. Oh boy, I'm between like six and a half or seven red balloons. I think I gave it like ten honey pots in the last one. I shouldn't have ranked it that high in comparison. I just loved it so much. My bias. I think that's that's where I'm at with this one. Closing thoughts? <sighs> Closing thoughts. It was good. I, I appreciated the fact that they brought in a new Winnie the Pooh movie to kind of 
connect to a new generation of stuff, even though I felt that, especially having worked in the parks at the time, that Winnie the Pooh was still very known. And there's a lot of children that still, you know, grew up having their nurseries being decorated that way. So I don't think that Winnie the Pooh was just absent from people's childhoods in that generation, but it was still nice to have just a a new refreshing kind of a movie that's still uh, paid homage to the original that we might have grown up with. Okay, David, out of 10 red balloons. I would rate this one, I think, like a 7.4 out of 10. I definitely enjoyed the last one more. Um, I think the how they broke it up with the shorter segments was just more entertaining just because you got something different throughout the movie. This one, I feel like the story could have been a little more complicated and like kids would have still understood it. I just thought it was too simple. and made it a little bit, little bit boring. Um, I feel like without some of the fourth wall breaking aspects to it like i feel like this one could have just been another episode of adventures of winnie the pooh because it was just so simple like this would have been broken up into a couple different shows part one and two it was just that simple it was like a tv episode but not a bad one like it was still entertaining and i'm glad i watched it so that's why i give it a 74 percent nice i'd be curious to compare this to the animation on the tv show I bet it's far superior considering the talent that was brought in to do it. So I can't judge that because I don't have a side-by-side. As far as quality goes, as far as story goes, I don't disagree with you that it probably could have been just one of the TV shows. But I, but I imagine the quality of everything is a, is, a, is, a, is a notch above what was on Disney Channel back then. Any Disney animated film that's hand-drawn especially the more modern ones i always give a little bonus to just because that is the yep. tradition that that we've that we are now missing greatly uh princess and the frog was just fantastic i loved that movie when we watched it a couple weeks ago but like i like i mentioned i i did i did i did poo poo on this movie a little bit <laughs> and uh some things i thought could have been better especially the characters but as a whole it's enjoyable it's so short that it's hard to really knock it too much because it's done in a it's done in a flash. So yeah, I, I'm at like six and a half out of ten. It was fine. It was fun. Yeah. Um, it's a great great movie for kids. I mean, all ages can handle it and and enjoy it. And so, I think that's where I've settled in. Yeah. So with that, Tara, thank you so much for joining us. To uh, thanks for repooing with us. Oh, anytime. <laughs> I'm glad to be back. And uh, David, as always, we are we we are so close. We only have one, two, three, four, five, like seven left. Seven left after this. Wow. wow. Almost there. Almost there. Do you have a quote for us? It's a dangerous path I bounce, but I bounce it alone. Because the hundred acre wood needs a hero, Pooh Bear, and I'm the only one. Yes. And remember, you can find this show everywhere on the internet at Disney1x1. Please follow us on Instagram. That's where we mostly post. If you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, we would love that. And again, Disney Plus is out. So if you haven't listened to back episodes of this show because you haven't been able to get to the movies, you have no excuse now. So check it out. I uh, I watched this movie on Disney Plus. I did. It nice. was one of the first things I pulled up on there. So um, we'll be back next week with Wreck It Ralph from 2012, and we'll see you then. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast. 
this story could have just been another episode of like Adventures of Winnie and Winnie and the Pooh. No wait, <laughs> the Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like this one could have just been another episode of Winnie and the Pooh <laughs> said, on TV. You said Winnie and the Pooh again. <laughs> I did. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> All right, let me do that again. <laughs>